0: We're so blessed this morning in worship by hearing that good news. There is a bomb in Gilead. Who, who makes the wounded whole? And we need to hear that today because we need healing, don't we? We need it on a personal level. We need to hear about that balm for our country. And you know, I think that part of what we've been doing in worship during this new normal time is to celebrate the gift of our country Last week, Jimmy played America the Beautiful, and it was beautiful. This week we're going to start in a little bit different way. One of our own members, the Admiral Brett Giroir, was honored this week in our nation's capital. Uh, It was virtual, of course, for most of us, but we enjoyed seeing every one hour and 46 minutes of that great event. I want to share with you a snippet or two this morning. That I think will take us to a place that is like that balm in Gilead that Alyssa sung about this morning. I want us to share um, uh, the privilege that we have in knowing that uh, Brett is a member of this church. Uh, He was also part of uh, President Trump's administration as he shouldered the responsibility through the health care initiative of our country. Health and Human Services, to take on so many, so many big challenges. Of course, the whole world knows him for what he did related to uh, COVID-19 testing that we now have on every corner. Uh, But what was not thoroughly reported has been his work with sickle cell anemia and that disease making medical advances in the last few years that we have longed for and of course the continued work in in uh, sub-Sahara Africa related to the AIDS crisis. And the advancement of opioid addiction has been so slowed we don't hear about it very much anymore and that was because it was attacked uh, by the uh, healthcare uh, workers of this country in such a huge way at the very top levels. And of course, the uniting of babies to immigrant, fra- immigrant families on the border was also something that, uh, that Admiral Jawah was very much a part of. So today, I want to share with you in beginning this little snippet, uh, this patriotic snippet that was actually at the end or the conclusion of the service in celebrating him and in celebrating brett we have to say we also celebrate his wife jill whom we love and madeline and jacqueline and and uh, eric their their children eric's their son-in-law and of course their two perfect grandbabies isabel and ellie and uh, jill's mother uh, liz shore has been a member here for such a long time we appreciate you so much so watch and see
1: i am the flag of the United States of America. My name is Old Glory. I fly atop the world's tallest buildings. I wave proudly beside our nation's monuments. I watch over families at home, children at school, and over America's sick and weary. I lead the procession of flags representing many U.S. departments and this commissioned corps. Look up! and see me. I stand for peace, honor, truth, and justice. I stand for freedom. I am confident, I am arrogant, I am proud. When I am flown with my fellow banners, my head is a little higher, my colors a little truer. I bow to no one. During times of stress and duress, I am a symbol of hope. I am recognized all over the world. I am embraced, I am saluted, I am respected, I am revered, I am loved, and I am determined and fearless. For more than 200 years, I have fought in every battle, of every war. Those who serve beneath my stars and stripes conduct research, fight disease and injury. They protect public health. They conquered yellow fever, rubella, and smallpox, limited the spread of HIV, Ebola, influenza, and coronavirus. They are masters of disease prevention and they fight all enemies affecting our young and our old. Drug misuse, diabetes, hypertension, kidney failure, prematurity, and sickle cell disease. I lead health professionals of many disciplines. I comfort and encourage them when they are overwhelmed. I served with my commissioned corps through 9-11 when our nation was attacked, through hurricanes Katrina, Rita, Wilma, Gustav, Ike, and Irma. I served in the Gulf region, in Iraq and Afghanistan, in Indonesia, the Pacific Basin, in Central and South America, in Haiti, Japan, and Africa, all over the world. My public health officers love me. They cheer me. I am proud. I have been soiled, burned, torn, and trampled on the streets of those cities and countries that I have helped. It does not hurt me, for I am invincible. I protect, promote, and advance the health and safety of our great nation and abroad. I stand for the underserved. I have witnessed the heroic efforts of my warriors on the battlefield and in the trenches of the silent war against disease. I weep with those who weep when I'm flown at half-mast to honor those who died in service. I weep when I lie in the trembling arms of a grieving mother, father, husband or wife at the graveside of their lost loved one. I bear witness to all of America's finest hours, but my finest hour comes when we stand side by side as members of one unified nation. It is that freedom that we fiercely defend through both our words and our actions and your love of this nation that keeps me flying high. I will not wither. I will not fall. I will not lay down the trust you placed in me. I am bold, I am proud. My name is Old Glory. God bless America, long may I wave, long may I wave. Admiral Brett Giroir, on behalf of a grateful nation, the President of the United States of America, the Secretary of the US Department of Health and Human Services, the Surgeon General of the Commission Corps of the United States Public Health Service, and the officers to whom you faithfully served, please accept the foundation of our great nation, a symbol of what you have worked to preserve throughout your career in public health and medicine and during your tenure as the Assistant Secretary for Health. God bless and Godspeed, Admiral Giroir.
0: We can say amen to that. And today we have a quest, or shall we say our prayer is, for the new normal. That's our sermon series that we're in. Today we're going to get there to talk about the new normal by way of Lazarus, of course. But I also want to say part of the new normal is that every Sunday we'll say, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. There are some things that we want to continue into the new. You know, the new normal that we seek is offered freely by God. I know sometimes we think about the new normal as not being a positive thing. You know, we think, well, things have changed so badly that we have to have a new normal. And the old normal was so good. Well, the old normal wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And the new normal, God wants to transform the world and you and me. And all of us, sisters and brothers, together. You know, the question I want to raise this morning about this story of Lazarus is this. When did the call to life really begin? When did the call to life really begin? When did Jesus call Lazarus to come forth? When did that really begin? I posed this question to my men's uh, prayer breakfast this this past week, and they had some great answers. Uh, one of them said this, it, it began with Jesus calling Lazarus by name. Well, yeah, but was it before that? One said, well, it began when Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. And another said, when Jesus... Uh, came to be with, with Martha and Mary and all of those who had gathered there to mourn with them. That's when that call to life began. And still another said, when Jesus wept. You know, I'd like to kind of wed those last two to talk about Jesus' compassion this morning. Not just normal old compassion. I want to talk about Jesus' compassion this morning. And I want to talk about what it's like when we care enough to move into the hurt and move into the pain of another as Jesus did. And when we care enough that we will weep with those who weep listen to their needs and their hurts, and move forward to call to life. There is a connection. And we are those, I hope, that in this new normal, we pray that we can go forward with the Jesus Compassion. With commitment to what Jesus' compassion is all about like we've never experienced before because the need for such compassion is perhaps greater than it's been in a long, long, really long time. You know, the new normal could very well be filled with Jesus' compassion. And what is Jesus' compassion? Let's just define it up front. Jesus' compassion moves us toward people who hurt. Jesus' compassion hurts with and cries with people who hurt. Friends, we, don't, we do have a lot of opportunities these days. Um, right now, especially, to be with people who are hurting, people who are crying on several different levels. There's so much sickness going on. There's so much sadness going on. There's, there's so much defeat that seems to be um, j- just right here in the now before us. How do we enter the hurt and cry with those who are in pain? You, you know, my new normal... Will have me appreciating being with the hurting like never before. You know, part of what COVID-19 has robbed us of as pastors is being in the hospital, being with those who are hurting right now, and being in nursing homes, being in facilities where we normally would have just gone with ease. Now it's very complicated. You know, Friday, I started my day out uh, cooking a Lover's Lane United Methodist Church sanctuary choir, braid and, and it was ordered my, by my little granddaughter, uh, Claire Bear. She wanted a Chewy one. And so she got a Chewy one. And I had so much fun having breakfast with her early in the morning on Friday. And, and after she went on her way to school, I was going on my way to uh, my hometown in East Texas to see Mom and Dad and to check on them, as I usually do on my day off, when all of a sudden, I got a call. And the call was from Shauna. and we'd been talking the last several days because Vance, her husband, our good friend, was dying. And she, she said what was music to my ears. She said... I've talked with, um, with the nurses, and they have, um, they've cleared the way. They've approved that you can come up and pray with Vance and with us. And her sons, Bo and Eric, were in the room with her and with Vance. So, so I turned my truck around on a dime, and I headed right back into downtown Dallas uh, at rush hour uh, to make it through downtown Dallas to the other side, to Irving, where I would pray and be with Shauna, and Bo, and Eric, and Vance. We hugged, and we visited, and we prayed, and we cried, and even laughed a bit while Vance was trying to make his journey to heaven. You know, this was just um, the pastor making a visit, really. Something I've done thousands of times before. But but I want to assure you that the Jesus compassion had preceded that pastoral visit. It had been going on as Sunday school class members in 24-7 have been reaching out to them. As people, the men in the the BIC, the Brothers in Christ group were reaching out to Shauna and Vance over these really months that he's dealt with this cancer. It's been something that so many of us have marveled at his spirit and the Jesus compassion that that he lived out so well and was so easy to return by so many who loved him. We have a loving church that finds ways even in the midst of No, especially in the midst of a pandemic such as this. In the new normal, we'll be lover's lane, being more committed than ever. You and I being more committed than ever to the Jesus compassion. To the Jesus compassion. Being with others when they hurt. Crying with others when they're in pain. I want to say another word about Jesus' compassion. Jesus' compassion gently speaks a word of truth in love. That gently is important because sometimes we come across, when we're trying to speak that truth, a little too forceful. I know I do. Let's again read from this 11th chapter of John, a passage we didn't read. It's in the early part of this. It it has to do with Lazarus talking to Martha. Jesus' compassion speaks a word of truth in love. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me even though they die will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now Let's talk a little bit about Martha. Martha was a bit of a skeptic. She she was the busybody of the two, her sister Mary and Martha. She was perhaps the one whose glass was half empty, not half full. And yet Jesus loved her just like he loved Mary. He loved them in their differences. And he respected them in their unique personalities. They both brought brought value to the relational table with Lazarus, their brother. He loved Martha. But but he had to say to Martha, Martha I'm here and I'm here to bring resurrection and life now. And she said well I know you know resurrection and life on the last day Jesus said no I I am the resurrection and the life. Now. A short time later, Martha was was there at the tomb with Jesus, remember? And, And this is in the passage when Jesus said, roll away the stone. It was Martha who said, Lord, he's been dead four days. There'll be a stench. She didn't think about the one she was talking to who said that he was the resurrection and the life couldn't take care of a stench. So he had to say to her again in that gentle, truthful way, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God Friends, you know today, truth is under attack like we've never seen before. With so many means of communication, with with so many fountains of information flowing, the still waters of truth are harder to find. But we must find them. And there's where we drink deeply. You know, we can't afford in the new normal to drink stagnant, polluted, poisonous waters of falsehood. And you know the best place, we Christians know this, or we should, the best place to find the truth is God's holy word. The Bible has been our source of truth for a long, long, long time. And the Holy Spirit serves us living water and helps us to discern what is truth. You know, there are some people right now looking to the Bible to justify a feeling that this must be the end of time. Friends, this has been a fruitless quest for many, many centuries. (laughs) Jesus said, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. Friends, it's in times like these that I think the Lord comes to us in a more present way than ever before, because we need the Lord more. We need that balm in Gilead. We don't need to be worrying or fretting or thinking we're right in determining when is the end of time. You know, I've noticed that speculations such as I've heard from some have kind of a flare of "I'm right about this." So much communication is delivered these days from a posture of, I'm right. You know, I stand guilty of this. I confess. It it feels so good to try to convince yourself that you're right. And this anti-compassionate declaration is one that I know the Holy Spirit is working with me about Whether the words I'm right are spoken or not, we can act as if we're right in ways that hurt others. I stand guilty. Where do you stand? Where where do you stand? You know, truth must be bathed in God's Word. Do you hear me? Truth must must be prayed about in the spirit of Jesus' compassion. Truth must be delivered in light of Wesley's simple rules. Do good. Do no harm. And seek that all will stay in love with God. Truth is that which we cannot serve God without. Scripture says you you cannot serve God in mammon. And what is mammon? What is your mammon? It's not just money. Mammon can be be many things that take the place of our first love of God. And the next thing I want to say from this passage of Scripture, that, that Jesus' compassion always seeks to glorify God. That's important, not to bring glory to self, but to glorify God. We read a moment ago, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death, rather, it is for God's glory that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. You know, Jesus wasn't playing a game. And I'll just wait four days because the Jews believed on, uh, on the, the fourth day that the Spirit was gone to Sheol. It was done. Jesus made his journey solely for the purpose to glorify God. You know, this week we, <clears throat> we saw one of our members, Brett uh, Joa, the Admiral, honored and decorated for his service with Health and Human Services. The world came to know um, Admiral Jawa through the daunting task that was given to him, developing testing for COVID-19. And at the service, we we witnessed the larger scope of his work. You know, he served years ago in George W. Bush's administration, and and he worked to protect us from health dangers then. And in the past few years, he's been appointed by President Trump to continue his life-saving work. Much Jesus' compassion came forth from this one, who was honored. You know, as I witnessed the roll out of all of the very good things that Admiral Jawah was about and the government has been about, I heard things about the advancement with sickle cell anemia, uh, and and I heard things related to the success with the opioid crisis that that, that we don't hear as much about because it's not nearly what it was um, once, not too many years ago. We, we didn't really hear in this country what I heard in that ceremony about the work of reuniting babies with mommies on the border. Not to mention that you can get a COVID test on nearly any corner today that, that's contributing greatly to defeating this virus. And as I watched that, I wondered, why didn't we hear that on the news Why weren't all of the networks rolling out the good news that I just saw in this ceremony? Friends, I think the answer is that bad news stories sell more. They feed our insatiable hunger for conflict, for controversy, our need to be right, and our weakness to spread rumor. You know, what if the new normal involved our commitment to sharing good news and we have our means to do that like never before? Uplifting stories and uh, putting good people and good uh, advances uh, just out there so people can celebrate. What if the new normal caused us to be committed to sharing this kind of news that honors great accomplishments and, most importantly, that glorifies God? I want to live into the normal in closing this service today by sharing what Brett said about a life-changing mission trip he took years ago with Lover's Lane United Methodist Church in Honduras. You know, he stretches the truth a little bit about Lover's Lane about me too, for that matter. But he begins by sharing one of my greatest bonehead moves of all time. So listen
2: and laugh. Uh, I want to thank my pastor, Stan Copeland. Um, He he became the pastor of uh, the second largest Methodist Church in the world. Uh, the same year I became chief medical officer of one of the largest children's hospitals in the world. We were both way ahead of our time to do that. I mean, he never seemed above his head, but I could imagine what he really thought about inheriting this. Uh, You might've known he uh, he has a little accent, so he comes from a little East Texas town. I come from a little town in Louisiana, um, and he's been a true inspiration to all of us, uh, whether in church or in Dallas or some of our best memories, um, caring for children together um, on mission trips in Honduras. Uh, And my wife was there long before I was, building houses and pilas before we started the medical clinics. And um, if you ever doubt that God works in mysterious ways, and I'm almost over here, um, it's really amazing. We were gone for a trip, and I know he remembers this. And of course, we've been planning this for a year, it's our mission trip, we're going down, and uh, a certain pastor forgot to renew his passport. So he was turned back at the airport because he needed a new passport. So we all go to Honduras and we're starting working. Well we get there, and uh, amidst the hundreds of people who have various conditions, there's an infant. And again, we're, out of, we're working out of a little, a little space. It's not a clinic, it's just a garage, essentially. Um, and we don't really have equipment. We've got some basic things, but this infant came, about four or five months old, very emaciated, very dehydrated, there's really no hospital care. Um, you know, one of the things you need is a scale. So this was two days later, Pastor Stan was coming to the airport, I told him I needed a scale because this kid's gonna die, we need to nurse this kid back to health. I got a sophomore in college who's a pre-med student, me, Um, and he had the idea, I think, so he went to Bass Pro Shops, which is right by the airport, and picked up a Bass scale, which was just fine, because it was like the right weights, you know, eight, 10, 12, 14 pounds, a few ounces, so he brought it down there. So uh, the sophomore um, in college, I basically assigned this kid to her. I said, this child is gonna live or die Um, if you, you gotta take care of it. You gotta nurse this kid, it's gotta get fluids, we gotta weigh this kid you know, four times a day because you know, we don't have many alternatives because there's really no care for this kid anywhere else. So long story short, um, got the kid back going, got him thriving, gaining weight, don't know really what his underlying condition was, treated a bunch of things. Um, so um, that Bass Pro Shops fish scale, turns out that um, sophomore, went on to medical school, became the chief resident at Texas Children's Hospital as the pediatrician for our grandchildren now. Can't make that up.
0: No, you can't make that up. Only God can make that up. And God stands ready all the time to make that up by ushering in Jesus' compassion at every turn We'll welcome the Admiral back with his family very soon. And you know, around his neck was the Surgeon General's highest honor for health care. And yet, this is one who cared enough to care for children for a solid week in Honduras out of a garage with a sophomore in college and to love and care for children Uh, back to health. The Jesus compassion friends we will be given the gift in this new normal that God wants us to have the gift of Jesus compassion may, may we be those who are committed to, to entering to stepping into the hurt and the pain even crying with another to, to gently speak Truth in love at a time when we need to hear truth more and to glorify God in all that we do Amen